Welcome to the Impactful PBL Podcast. I'm Candice, your host, a project-based learning coach and leader of the Impactful PBL Network. And you can find me at impactfulpbl.com. I'm on a mission to do good work with good people for good reasons, and I hope you are too. If you are a current or aspiring project-based educator looking for strategies and ideas to craft memorable learning experiences that empower your students to tackle challenges in their school and community through project-based learning, then you're in the right place. Join me as I share resources and tips to help you launch a PBL initiative in your classroom. Welcome to the Impact Makers community and let's talk PBL. Hey, Impact Makers. Last year, I released an episode called Learning in Public Year One Reflections, and I think it's episode 31. And in that episode, I share my results of learning in public. And it was such a popular episode. And I also had people reach out to me, wanted to learn more about the idea of learning in public that I thought it was a good idea to give an update on year two of learning in public. What is learning in public? So learning in public is sharing what you're learning with other people publicly, just like it sounds. So in my case, I used a podcast to kind of share what I was learning over the years about project-based learning based off of theoretical research that I was doing through my doctoral capstone, but also through applied research, which I was conducting with a group of teachers implementing project-based learning. And over the years, that's how I've been able to develop the impactful PBL framework. So basically taking research back practices and synthesizing it into what I thought would be nine phases to plan an impactful or memorable or authentic or highly effective project-based learning unit. And then after creating that framework, being able to test it in practice by working with teachers who were implementing the framework in their classroom. And so at this point, hundreds of teachers have utilized a framework to plan and implement project-based learning. And so the idea of the podcast was to share more broadly what I was doing with teachers via the podcast, since I can't work with everyone. And also since there are a lot of people that are interested in project-based learning, but maybe it's not an initiative at their school or maybe they don't feel like they have the support from their administrators or have the resources to be able to pursue it. And so my thought process was also being able to share what I'm doing, what I'm learning on the podcast will also help other educators who are interested in starting their project-based learning journey. I've seen that there are a ton of benefits for learning in public. So one, you get to meet new people that you would probably never have the opportunity to engage with in real life. So through podcasting and sharing what I'm learning about project-based learning, I've been able to meet groups of people who also have a shared interest and also want to know more about ways to make learning more authentic and also help students be change makers now versus always thinking about what someone can be in the future. Another benefit of learning in public, I think it accelerates your learning because you're able to synthesize it and apply the skills in other settings, right? So as I was diving deep into project-based learning over these past few years, I've been able to learn a lot about it, but not just keep it to myself, but being able to work with teachers and sharing what I'm learning, but also helping them implement in their classroom and seeing what works and what doesn't. And also seeing the different ways that teachers have adapted based off of their school, their students, their community, et cetera. So think about like how many books you've read or webinars you may have attended, or YouTube videos you watched, and you found some interesting ideas, right? So at the time, you're like, this is a great idea. And that was it, right? You never shared the idea with anyone. Or even if you did share it with someone, you didn't do anything else with it. It's just kind of like 
this great idea that came and went. You didn't apply it in your daily life. I think about in the past, I always had a goal of reading so many books per year. And it wasn't until earlier this year that I realized that I was spending time like listening to a lot of books on Audible or reading books. I would get great ideas from it, but then I wasn't actually utilizing what I was learning in real life or applying it to my situations. Therefore, I started gaining all of this knowledge, but knowledge without implementation is kind of worthless. I mean, I guess if you're attending like a trivia night or something and a question comes up for a book that you read or a video you watched and you just so happen to be able to answer that one question, right? But seriously, you know, we can sit and we can read and we can watch and we can consume information especially in this day and time, meaning that it's not uncommon that people could spend hours on their phone watching videos or reading a blog post or looking at something that someone else created versus what you created. Another thing about learning in public to me is kind of like that first step before building in public. And I'll share more about what I mean by building in public later in the episode. But also another benefit of learning in public is it's a way to document like your growth and progress towards something. A lot of times we can focus on the gap meaning like we focus on the things that we don't know or don't know how to do. And we totally forget about all the things that we've learned over time and how much progress we made towards something because we're looking at how far we need to go. So I also think about learning in public is something you're able to measure your progress easier. I was cleaning out my Google Drive last week and I was looking at some old PowerPoint slides from trainings that I did in 2012, which is so funny came up and I'm like, where in the world was this in my drive? Like I haven't seen it in years, but somehow I must have searched a particular keyword and these trainings came up and it said 2012 was the last edit. And I looked at the trainings and I just laughed so hard because like, if I look at them now, 10 years later, they look horrible. But I remember doing those trainings 10 years ago for teachers and they were good trainings at the time. Like all of the responses I would get back from surveys was, oh, this was so helpful. I never had anyone explain this to me like this. Thank you so much. So it's not that those trainings were horrible, right? It's just that I have progressed over the last decade and improved my craft, but it's just a way to kind of see where you were and you know where you are now. So I just thought that was very interesting to, to be able to see something that you created or you did in 2012. And even my thought process back then, though, that you could tell by the way that I designed the trainings, like how I was thinking about learning and how I thought about adult facilitation. But some of those things are still true, but I have kind of evolved in my thinking a little bit. So those are just some of the benefits of learning in public. And if you're interested in the idea Check out episode 31, where I first started talking about it and exploring why I decided to learn in public. In this episode, I want to revisit the growth goals that I set last year and I shared on a podcast episode. But I do want to make a quick note about goal setting. I was talking to someone recently who said that they don't like setting goals because when they don't reach their goals, it makes them feel sad or it makes them feel like a failure It makes them feel down so they don't like the idea of goal setting. That wasn't the first time I've ever heard that before. I've actually heard that a lot that people avoid setting personal growth goals or professional growth goals because not reaching that goal makes them feel bad. And I think it's an interesting way of thinking about it because every time I hear that, the first thing I think about is that it doesn't bother me whether I meet my goals or not. I know that may sound like what? That the whole point of a goal is to try to reach your goal. I know the technical definition of a goal is about deciding what you want to achieve within a specific timeline and then hopefully achieving it, right? But for me, it's more about the journey 
than the actual destination. For me, the fun is in the pursuit of the goal and seeing if it's possible for me to achieve. Therefore, if I don't reach a goal within my original time frame, it really doesn't matter, right? Because first of all, I made it up. And so if I really care about the goal that I'm setting, I will continue to explore it anyway. And maybe it's not within the six months or the 12 months. So to me, that's just more of a guideline to track towards my progress. So for example, when I was 19 years old, I set a goal of earning my doctorate degree and starting a business by age 30. Obviously at age 19, I didn't understand exactly what it entailed to do those things, but that was my goal. But this past summer, I just earned my doctorate degree. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not 30 years old. It's a decade later. I didn't start a real business, I would say, until closer to age 30. And then even then it was part-time and it didn't last very long. So needless to say, I didn't meet that goal, but who cares? Like, does it really matter? It doesn't matter that I didn't meet that goal by the time that I was 30. To me, it matters that I eventually met it. And then even if I didn't meet it, you learned so much just striving for the goal that it's okay. It's not like I'm saying, well, I'm being positive about achieving the goal late because I always achieve my goals because I don't. Most of the goals that I set, I don't actually achieve. And I definitely don't achieve within the time period that I say. So it's to me, again, it's the fun in pursuing it and seeing if I can do it and learning throughout the process of pursuing that goal. Most of the time I notice that goals that we set and we don't achieve, a lot of times it's because we gave up on the goal. So you actually don't know if you ever would have achieved it because you gave up on it versus continuing with it. And I'm not saying that you should continue with something just for the sake of continuing. I'm saying if it's something that is meaningful for you, and you are still want to pursue it, you should continue to pursue it. But if it's something that you thought was meaningful for you, but turns out not to be meaningful to you anymore, then by all means, you can change your mind. If I start to pursue a goal and I abandon it, I say that I changed my mind. Then the idea of, well, if I pursue something and I set a timeline for it and I don't make that timeline, is that a failure? To me, if I pursue something and I think it's going to take a particular amount of time and it doesn't take that amount of time, it's okay because at the end, it's not going to matter how much time it took, right? One of the things that I'm working on is my health and getting back down to a healthier weight. And I'm in this online community with a group of ladies who are doing the same thing. And this one lady posted about she's losing one pound a week when her exact words was, I'm only losing one pound a week. Like, I'm not making any progress. And she was ranting about how there were other people who were losing two pounds or three pounds or four pounds a week. And should she even continue to pursue a healthier lifestyle? This one lady wrote a response that I literally laughed out loud as I was reading it because it was so funny because it was true, but it was also like so simple. And the lady wrote back, okay, so you're losing one pound a week, but after 52 weeks, you would have lost 52 pounds. Would you be mad? And I laughed so loud. I was like, no, she would probably go around bragging and say like, oh, I lost 52 pounds and look what I did and here's my journey. But when you're in the thick of things and you're not achieving what you want to achieve in that moment, it feels like you're not making progress. But then once you achieve that thing, you're not going to care. It took 52 weeks to lose 52 pounds. But anyway, that's my rant on goal setting and what I think about setting goals and also about achieving them. So I guess the moral of the story is, Focus on the journey or the process and not necessarily the outcome. And even when you do reach the outcome, just be happy you reached the outcome. Don't worry about the timeline for reaching the outcome. Back to the original point, I digressed a little bit. What did I accomplish this last school year? So I'm going to go through the different professional learning goals that I set and what were the results. So the first goal I set was of completing my doctoral degree. 
The second goal was to continue podcasting. The third goal was to support teachers in building a teaching portfolio focused on project-based learning. The fourth goal was me creating a portfolio or case studies to showcase the work that I do with educators for project-based learning. So those were my goals for the last school year. What were the results? The goal of completing a doctoral degree. I kind of already alluded to that, but that goal was achieved. I became Dr. Candace Wilson-McCain in August of 2022. Super excited that that journey is over. I know I just said, enjoy the journey and don't worry about the outcome, but there was definitely a point where I was totally focused on the outcome and was ready for this journey to come to an end. And you know how they say there are seasons of life. I was ready to move on to a new season. How did I achieve that goal? I actually had a couple of people reach out to me who are in pursuit of their doctor degree and they're feeling stuck right now. And they're having those days where they just want to give up, which is completely normal, by the way, if you're working on a doctor degree. I did want to share why was I pursuing a doctoral degree? I'm putting doctoral degree on a professional growth, but honestly, I'm always looking for ways to push myself and to pursue hard things or to do hard things. Uh, Something that I'm interested in pursuing, but also that I know up front is going to be hard to achieve. And so I chose the doctoral degree, like I mentioned before, back when I was 19. But I think over the years, my why started to change. But one, I'm a first generation college student. At the time that I went to college, my mother did not have a four-year degree. She has a four-year degree now, but she didn't when I was in college. I'm a product of teenage parents. There's so many statistics that people say of children who are born to teenage parents, but then also teenage parents who don't end up having higher education and all those different things. I always was interested in defying the odds around that. Also, I wasn't a great high school student. Like if you would have told my high school self that I would have a doctor degree, I would definitely laugh at you. I barely got out of high school. I failed ninth grade. I did not particularly like school. So I would have never thought that I would have spent years getting a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, an education specialist degree, and then a doctor degree. If you would have told my 17-year-old self that, I definitely would have laughed at you. The other thing is when I started researching and learning more about doctoral degrees, I found through research is that only 4% of doctoral degrees are held by Black women. So that was another reason for me to try to pursue it because I wanted to be another resource for other Black women who want to pursue a doctoral degree. So that was another source of my why. I definitely had to start why I wanted to pursue it and kind of remind myself that on a consistent basis because trust me, there was days that I wanted to quit and I had to go back to my why. So of course you take your classes and you do all the research and things like that. But when it got to the end for my dissertation or capstone, it became really hard to write my paper, even though I was, of course, researching every day, working with teachers every day with project-based learning. Writing a dissertation or capstone in the academia world is totally different than just jotting down blog posts or getting on a podcast. It's such technical way of writing and thinking that it became really hard in the end. So I started blocking off two hours per day to write consistently, and I would go to the coffee shop. So I can have a different environment so that I can get in the zone of writing and made that my routine. And then some days when I didn't go to the coffee shop, I know this is going to sound cheesy, but I will listen to coffee shop music on YouTube. So I would put like a YouTube video up in the background and it will play like noises that you would hear in a coffee shop. So like the coffee machine running or like chit chatting in the background and things like that to give me the illusion that I was at a coffee shop. Anyway, judge if you want. It worked. That's how I got my writing done and was finally able to defend. So that goal was achieved. The next one of my learning in public goal was podcasting. The goal was to continue to release two episodes per month. 
But I also had down that I wanted to add guest speakers. So the status on that was I semi-achieved it, I guess. I did release episodes until May as planned because that was our season two. But I didn't have one guest on the show. And what I realized with that is that one, it takes more time, energy, and effort than I thought to get guests to come on. And so what ended up happening was I just lost steam and energy towards it and excitement towards it because like I told you, was writing my capstones, also running a professional development company. I'm also the founder of a nonprofit organization. I'm also a mother. It was just so much going on that I was like, I'm not going to put a lot of energy into getting guests. And so I postponed the idea but then I never revisited. So we never had a guest on the show. So I'm marking that as semi-achieved because I did keep up with episodes, but I didn't move forward with guests. So the next goal was supporting teachers and building a teaching portfolio focused on project-based learning. This was a fail. So I did not achieve this goal. It was actually a lot harder than I thought to get teachers on board with the idea of portfolios. I thought it was going to be something that teachers was going to be interested in and see the value in. And it just really never took off. And then it definitely probably was the way that I rolled it out and the way that I explained it. I'm sure I could have did a better job, made it sound more attractive, more beneficial. But I think what happened is it came off as extra work for teachers. They didn't really see the relevance or the benefit in it. I'm not going to abandon this idea, but next group of teachers that I'm working with, I'm going to focus on rolling the idea out or explaining the idea a little better and focus more on like the benefits of a teaching portfolio focused on project-based learning and how it can be helpful for their growth and student growth and for their career. So that was a fail. The next goal was around me creating case studies to showcase the work that I do with educators. In a previous episode, when I shared that goal, I talked about how when I wanted to gain new school partners, that they're always asking, who did I work with before? What results did teachers get? How did students respond to project-based learning? How did teachers respond to project-based learning? What type of growth did the school see or teachers see? So I set that goal for myself of creating case studies and portfolios of the work that I'm doing with teachers. So the status on that, again, I'm going to put semi-achieved because I did complete a few interviews with school leaders. Most of the school leaders that I work with, I did an interview with the exception of one. Also, part of my doctoral capstone included interviewing teachers. And so I did have an opportunity to interview teachers one-on-one. And then I also sent out surveys as well. And I got hundreds over the course of a year. I think I came in contact with 250 teachers or something like that through workshops and professional development that I led. I did have a, a ton of survey data. But part of that goal was to share project spotlights publicly. And so basically... As teachers were completing their project-based learning unit and students were creating their public products to be able to share that on our website. And I did not do that. So that's why I said semi-achieved. I did part of the work, but not all of the work. And that's one that I am going to continue to pursue is sharing more about the type of projects that teachers are creating and designing and implementing for their students on our website. I just didn't achieve it this past school year. Actually, there is one more goal that I didn't mention at the top of the podcast, which was creating articles from our podcast. Most of the podcast episodes are educational, meaning I'm talking about how to improve your instructional practices around project-based learning. And every now and then I'll do an episode update of what's happening. But for the most part, it's evergreen content, meaning that it's topics that will be useful today, tomorrow, and probably next week. And so I wanted to take the bulk of the podcast episodes and turn it into articles for our website or turn it into an e-guide for our website. So the status on that was that was achieved. We now have an e-guide on our website where you can go and click the different phases of the Apache PBL roadmap and the different articles that are aligned with each phase. 
that was a lot more work than I anticipated because, of course, the way you talk on a podcast is not how you were right. There was a lot of editing and making it more for a written format. And then I also had a team of teachers who were rereading it and editing for me to make sure that it was written in a way that would be easily understandable by educators who were novices at project-based learning. That goal was achieved. And you can actually find that on our website right now. If you click the link in the show notes, it'll take you straight to the e-guide. Those are just my professional goals, but I also had personal goals, but I just shared professional growth goals on the podcast. So I just wanted to kind of provide an update for that. So what's next for this school year? Well, I'm moving more towards a building in public model, which is similar to learning in public, but you're allowing people to see the process from start to finish. You're letting people know the thought process behind what you're creating. You're getting input or feedback on what you're creating before you even finish it to share it with the world, so to speak. So what am I building? Well, let's go back to the why. Over these past few years, we're working on my doctorate degree and, of course, training teachers with implementing project-based learning and thinking about challenges that they experienced with implementing PBL. A lot of it was around getting the right training, support from school staff, resources, and curriculum. One of the biggest gaps was being able to support teachers around curriculum. And so in the past, what I've done is try to help teachers take their curriculum that they had, edit it for project-based learning. But then I started experiencing where some schools that I was working with didn't even have curriculum. So teachers were just kind of creating things from scratch. So it made it even harder for them to think through PBL through the lens of not having a baseline or a foundation to build upon. And so what I'm building is PBL supplemental curriculum. And I'm calling it supplemental because I'm not expecting this to be, you know, throw out all the science materials or math materials or whatever that you're using in terms of your curriculum, but more so for educators who want to implement project-based learning in their classroom and they don't have the resources to implement project-based learning, or there's a gap in the resources to implement project-based learning. It will go beyond just having like a topic but it will be the entire Impactful PBL roadmap completed along with daily lessons on how to lead students through the process of being able to create a public product for your driving question for your PBL unit. The second part of it is improving professional development offerings, meaning making professional development more flexible. Because right now, in order for you to attend any of my project-based learning trainings, your school would have to opt in to be a school that is exploring project-based learning. And I realize there are a lot of teachers who want to explore project-based learning, but their school isn't exploring project-based learning. So I didn't have another way besides you reading the articles on my website or you listening to the podcast to be able to support these teachers. So you have access to an online course that will lead you through the process of creating a project-based learning unit, but then also have project-based learning supplemental curriculum so you can learn how to actually adapt the units for your students so that you can personalize them. And this will be an ongoing project because the plan is to add new project-based learning units each year. Coming up with any type of supplemental curriculum is a big task. And so this will be something that will be ongoing, but the big launch of it will be this year. So the how behind this is that I'm getting some educators to help assist with this work. And also my assistant will be working on the behind the scenes things like the organizational stuff and the logistics. And she's really good with graphics. She does the visuals. And so she will probably be doing that for the curriculum as well. What does that mean in terms of my sharing? Right now, I'm thinking about sharing what I'm learning and creating online, of course, 
but mostly through LinkedIn. And I'm debating if I want to be on Twitter or not. I'm not sure. But definitely on LinkedIn, I will be sharing updates, what I'm learning, what's happening, what feedback I'm getting, what teachers are experiencing in their classroom, using the supplemental resources, et cetera. So what does that mean for this podcast? Well, it means I'm pausing the podcast for now. I want to focus on creating this supplemental curriculum and I need to have my focus in one area. I know that the podcast episodes are every two weeks. And so some people may think, well, that's not a large lift, but you know, thinking about your topic idea, outlining it, recording it, editing, and then creating an article out of it, it was taking a lot of brain space for me. I want to eliminate that and use that brain space to work on resources that teachers can use in their classroom. The old episodes will still stay up. So you'll be able to access this podcast still. You can actually find the e-guide on our website. The link will be in the show notes and it has over 30 articles and they're in sequential steps on if you wanted to create a project-based learning unit, you can go from phase one all the way to phase nine plus teacher growth articles in there as well. You could also still download the impactful PBL roadmap, which is the planning guide. You can use that to design your first or your next PBL units between the free articles and the actual planning guide. It's a good starting point if you're still aspiring to be a project-based educator. If you want to take it to the next level, as I mentioned before, I do have an online course for project-based learning. So if you're not in any of my programs now and it's something that you want to pursue, you can also find that link in the show notes to learn more about that as well. The other thing is if you request the Impactful PBL Roadmap Planning Guide, you will actually join my newsletter list and you'll receive PBL tips and updates via email as well. So that's another opportunity for you to stay connected. So I'm not leaving you empty handed. I'm sharing a lot of free resources with you so that you can continue on your project-based learning journey. The other big thing that I'm working on this year is releasing a book, which is basically going to be the Path of PBO Roadmap Framework. It's going to be more of a guidebook. You can go through the different phases and implement your project-based learning plan as you're kind of reading. Remember where I was saying about the idea of reading books but not applying? So the hope is that this will be a book that is more of a guidebook that is leading you to the creation process of designing a project-based learning unit plan. Those are my major projects this year. The book, PBL Supplemental Curriculum, still working on the case studies and project spotlights that I did not achieve last year. And so those are pretty much going to be my three main goals for this year. Like I said, I'm pausing the show for now. I will reassess at the end of the school year to see how I feel about continuing the podcast, or I may decide to do something different like video. Who knows? But if you are on LinkedIn, let's stay connected. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I appreciate your support. And I hope that you continue on your project-based learning journey. And here's to year three, learning in public. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. If you found this episode insightful, do me a favor, leave a review or share it with a teacher friend. 